All right, Shabbos, good morning, let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsor, our Talmud Torah sponsors, for the month of Kislev, Samia Malka Esterson, for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in memory of their parents, Yitzchok Leib Ben Aaron Cohen, Sarah Rachel Bas Baruch Avram, and Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. We thank our week of learning sponsors, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating Shi'urim this week in honor of the birth of a grandson, Rabbi Henoch Morris Rosh Kolo of the Columbus community, Kolo and his wife Chaya, born to Isaac and Esther Morris of Baltimore, Mazel Tov. And we have a week, new week of learning sponsor, Michael and Sarah Lipman and family from Los Angeles, California, in honor of Philip Sanfield's Siyum Hashas. Philip is a long-time listener of ours from, uh, from across the country, who is Baruch Hashem making his Siyum Hashas this Shabbos. This Shabbos. Because I just want to point out how incredible it is. That, well, let me finish the dedication. So from the Lippmans, may Philip and his wife Judy merit to make many more siyumim and continue to inspire us all with their Torah and Maisim Tovim, Mazel Tov. Let's, I just want to point out, this is Baruch Hashem. First, we have Ira, Ira completing Shas, right, cycle of Shas. Um, Philip Sanfield, like, what, what a time we live in where the completion of Shas is an attainable goal. This was not one generation ago. This, this was not the case. This was not the case. Who finished Shas? You know, Yechidei Skula, certain, certain individuals, you know, Tamidi you know, incredible Tamidi Chachamim. Now, Baruch Hashem, all of us, all of us, first of all, all of us have the ability to become incredible Tamidi Chachamim. Hashem, all of us one day. And th- this achievement, this goal is within reach. It's So, Mazdav Tur Philip and an incredible yeshikoch for the inspiration as well. We'll say with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is daf Zion, seven. Zevi, welcome back. Good to see you. Today's daf is daf Zion. We're starting on Vava Mabez 6b, and we are picking up six lines up from the bottom. Beautiful gimara. Am Rabbi Avo. At what point in time do we begin to make the bracha overrated? So we'll say, I, I, we began this yesterday. We began this yesterday, and... The Gemara over here is talking about what do you mean? What bracha are we talking about over the range? Remember, this is not Mashi bracha Geshem. This is not the same Talmud bracha. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says Me'im Sam Bevarchen Al Gishamim Parak Haroah. Four lines up from the bottom in Rashi. I'm reading on Al Gishamim Omer Hatov Vahametiv. Well, see, interestingly enough, that the Gemara Masechus Brachas brings down that on rain you make the bracha of Hatov Vahametiv, which is the bracha that says Hashem is good. And bestows good. Well, so I just point out just very quickly, you know, there are two brachas that kind of live in the same orbit. The bracha of Shechianu and the bracha of Hatova Hametiv. How do you know when to make which one? So Shechianu is on something that is good for you, but really only you. Hatova Hametiv is the bracha that is made on something that is good for you and for others as well. You know, just an interesting idea. There's a, there's a fascinating discussion in the contemporary postkim when you get a new car. What bracha should you make? Should you make a shachyanu or should you make a tova hametiv? So of course it depends if you're going to give rides to people and help people out and go ultimately to, to take your car to do tzedakim, maizim, tovim, so then you make a tova hametiv. If you're just using it to show off to your neighbors, then it might just be a shachyanu. Right? So again, depending, depending on what you plan on doing with the new automobile. But I'm just pointing out, according to Rashi over here, the bracha we're talking about is the bracha tov hametiv. Now we're going to see the maskan of the Gemara is actually a different bracha. But again, so the Gemara, although interestingly enough, Rashi's approach is difficult because the Gemara makes no mention of Atov Amitim, as you're going to see. We have incredible gratitude for every drop, for every drop that you have brought down for us. We'll say, do you understand what this bracha means? This, this is the bracha the Gemara says. We are thankful to you, Hashem, for every drop. We'll say, can you imagine having hakara satov to the ribono shel olam for every drop of rain, right? Any given rainfall, any given rainfall, the hodah, not just for rain, but the hodah for every single drop. Rabbi Yochanan, Messiah, Bahaki, Rabbi Yochanan would conclude the bracha in the following way. Ilu pinu mali shira kayan. 
even if our mouths were filled with praise, like water, like there is water in the sea, or the shalina rina kamon galav, and our tongues were filled, filled with praise, like the waves of the ocean, there would not be enough words to thank you, Hashem. Ad kel ya'azvenu, Ah, excuse me. Ad al yaazen rachamecha Hashem alokinu v'lo azavunu. And so again, we conclude the bracha with, "Please, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, do not allow your mercy to leave us, and we will not leave you v'lo azavunu." Baruch rov haudaos. Blessed are you, Hashem, who is the giver or the the bestower of the rov haudaos. Now, literally again, so rov haudaos means the majority of thanksgivings. So Rov Haudos, I don't understand, they only give HaKadosh Baruch Hu the majority of thanks, not all the thanks. Amarava, Ema El Haudos. Rather say it, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is the one who deserves all thanksgiving. Amarapapa, Papa says, Therefore, Hilchach, Tap of Zion, Nemrinhu Litarvaihu. Say both of these endings. El Haudos, Verov Haudos. Good, so therefore conclude the brach with both. So we'll say, this this is very interesting. So if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, "Lamerlo mitarvayu baruch ato berov haudos b'marbas haudos akel shakol el haudos mashu." So we'll say. So you see over here something very interesting. So Rashi began by telling us our Torah about the bracha vatov amidiv. What's the problem with Rashi's approach? What's the problem? Gemara makes no mention of hatov amidiv. So we'll say. So it turns out the Gemara is not talking about hatov amidiv at all. The Gemara is talking about this bracha over rain. Now, who's ever heard of this bracha over rain, and when is it made? So I want to show with you something amazing. The Shulchan Aruch quotes this Gemara. This is in Arachayim Simen Reish Chaf Aleph. So listen to the context of the bracha. Reish Chaf Aleph, Sif Aleph and Beis. Im Hayu Bitzar Machmas Atziras Gishamim. If ultimately, again, we're t- so we'll say, remember again, according to the Shulchan Aruch, the context of this Gemara is, it hasn't rained. It hasn't rained. And therefore, again, we were in a state of existential angst, not just existential, actual angst, because it has not rained. The Yardu Gishamim, and then it rained, Mivarchim. Mivar, I'm sorry. Did I skip over here? I don't think I explained the first part of the Gemara. Did I read that line? No. No, okay, I'm sorry. So I'll say, sorry, that, that's the best part of the Gemara. Right, so when, 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 when do you go ahead and begin to make the bracha? Literally, again, when it rains enough that the chasen comes to greet the kala. What's the image of it? I'll say that when it rains enough that, you know, when the, when the water pools, right, and then another drop, drops down from the heavens, so the water that's pulled on the earth jumps up, jumps up. That's called Mishiyatza Chasan Likras Kala. When the groom goes out to greet the bride, just like by the chuppah, some have the minog, that the chasan is under the chuppah first, comes out of the chuppah to greet the, bride, greet the bride. When do you make the brach over rain? When there's enough rain that when the drop falls down from the sky and it hits the one on the, it hits the, one on the ground, the one from the ground jumps up. Jumps up. So the one on the ground is called the chasen. The one coming down is called the kala. Such a beautiful imagery. So, so the Shulchan Aruch says over here, the bracha that we're talking about is in a situation where there wasn't rain. There was a drought. There wasn't rain. And now it began to rain. And even though, again, we didn't get all of the necessary rain, it's raining enough that the chasen comes out to greet the kala. And what does a person, what's the bracha that a person makes? Interesting if the Shulchan Aruch understands, the bracha that the Gemara just highlighted over here is the bracha you make for a person who doesn't own a field. Because if you don't, if you own a field, what's the bracha you make? Hatova Hametiv, right? Because Hatova Hametiv, that field is going to serve you and it's going to serve others. But if you're living in a time of drought and now it rains, enough rain that the chasen comes out to greet the kala, this is the bracha you make over the new rainfall. Really quite beautiful. So we'll say the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, Incredible Gemaras. The day of, a day of rain is greater than resurrection of the dead. Even greater than Tchiyas HaMesim. Dilut Tchiyas HaMesim because resurrection only occurs for the righteous. 
But yet when it rains, everyone benefits from the rain. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? is only for the tzaddikim. But rain, but rain. I always say, you know, it, it is so important. You know, I have to tell you, just my sashay kachaya. It rained yesterday. It rained yesterday. And after it finished raining, I was so upset and embarrassed. Why? Because I saw the rain. And I didn't even like take a moment for a second to stop and to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I said, clearly, I'm not paying attention during the daf. Right? Because you could give the shear and still not pay attention to the shear. Right? You know what I'm right? it's, it's an incredible thing. Like you see, you see a kol tipa, the tipa. Thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for every drop. It just changes our, to- it's supposed to change our total orientation. Now, while it's true that, of course, these discussions are geared towards Eretz Yisrael, that's absolutely true. But at the end of the day, every time it rains, it is direct bracha from the Ribbono Shalom. And how much you have to cultivate that sensitivity within ourselves. The day of rain is greater than Tchiyah Samesim. Tchiyah Samesim only happens for the Tzadikim. Rain happens for everyone. Pligid Rav Yosef. This is Rav Yosef. Dama Rav Yosef. Mitoch shishkula ketchiyah samisim. Kavua betchiyah samisim. Rav Yosef says that rain is not greater than resurrection. It's what? It's equal to resurrection. The truth is, it's not such a machlokas, right? Whether it's greater or equal, it's still, what it's saying is, it's still pretty incredible. How do you know that rain is equivalent to resurrection? Because where is rain included? In the bracha of Tchiyas HaMesim. The bracha of resurrection, Shemar HaSrei. Incredible, right? The day of rain, the day, of, a day when it rains, is as great as the day that the Torah was given. Shene Emar, Ya'arov Kimatar Likhi. As the Pasuk says in Devarim, literally again, Moshe Avinu saying in Azinu, Yarov Kimatar Lechi, my words, my words will drip like rain. So Moshe Avinu compares Torah to rain. So ve'in lekach ela Torah. Lekach refers to Torah. Shneamar ki lekach tov nasati lochem Torasi al tozov. I've given you a good purchase. Right, to a good teaching. Do not forsake my Torah. They will say, what you begin to see, by the way, what's the nature of this connection to Tchias Amesim, Tchias Torah? It's life, right? Remember, Tchias Amesim, resurrection of the dead, restoration of life. Torah, there is no meaningful life without Torah. I should say, Torah, Torah gives us life. Torah gives us life. So the idea being that just like, so rain is equated with all of these other life-sustaining items. So tomorrow goes weiter. It's not true. The day of rain is even greater than the day the Torah was given. How so? Because I will say, remember again, the Pasuk Moshe Rabbeinu says that my words will drip like rain. So the Gemara says something very interesting. The Gemara says, Me nitla So who is, remember, when you're making a comparison, when you compare two things, what do you compare one item to? Have Omer katan nitla begado. Well, so generally, when you're making a comparison, you compare something smaller to something greater. So when Moshe Rabbeinu goes ahead and compares, compares Torah to rain, what he's effectively saying is what? Is that rain, a day of rain, is even greater than the day upon which the Torah was given. Incredible. Rava Ramik Siv. Rava goes in and contrasts Psukim. He says on one hand, Ya'arov kimatar lechi, right? That ultimately the words of Torah will drip off my mouth like rain. Uksiv tizal kital imrasi. And then it says that my words will drip down like dew. So which one is it? Is Torah like rain or is Torah like dew? So we'll say, listen to this incredible Gemara. In Talmud Chacham Hagun Hu. So if a, if, so if a person is a Talmud Chacham, a proper Talmud Chacham, then what? Kital. Then it's like dew. Ve'im lav. And ultimately, again, if he's not the proper Talmud Chacham, or fehu kimatar. Ultimately, again, that literally means the rain will break him. The, excuse me. The rain will break, the rain will break him. Right? He will be broken with rain. Now, now, what does this mean? If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, actually not the Rashi, I'm sorry. Let me, let me take you to the Marsha. So I'll just read this so you don't have to turn to it. But the Marsha says as follows on this Gemara. He says, in Remember again, we saw this in, in yesterday's that for two days ago. The distinction between rain and dew is that rain, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not. Tal, dew, is always good. 
So essentially, the Marsha says there are two different types of Talmud Chacham. Talmud Chachamim. There's a Talmud Chacham whose, whose Torah is like dew. Because it's like dew, it's always needed and always beneficial. And ultimately, again, but there is a Talmud Chacham whose, whose Torah is like rain. And ultimately, again, that Torah, sometimes it's beneficial, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's good, sometimes, sometimes it's appropriate, sometimes it's not. The Torah, the Gemara highlighting over here that a person has to be careful who they take as a Rebbe. So I will say the same way that a Rebbe has to be careful who they take as a Talmud. The Talmud has to be careful who they take as a Rebbe because not every Torah is the right Torah. In other words, the information could be right, but where it's coming from may be a bit problematic. And therefore, again, sometimes Torah, the Tamut Chacham is like dew, sometimes the Tamut Chacham is like rain. We're going to develop this a little bit more. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, the Gemara says, Tanya, Omer, Kala Osik anyone who goes ahead and engages in Torah for Torah's sake, Naasislo Samachayim, Torah becomes an elixir of life. Shneemar, it is a tree of life for those who hang on to it. But if a person goes ahead and learns Torah not for the right sake, then what? Not for the right purpose. Torah becomes an elixir of death. We'll say this is incredible. Ya'arof kimatar lichi. Sometimes my words, arifa literally means to decapitate. So ya'arof kimatar lichi. Sometimes the words of Torah can become a decapitating rain. I know that arifa means decapitation. The decapitated calf. We'll say take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says lishma kasher tzivani Hashem elokai velo kedei lahakros rebi. Shabbosay, this is really an incredible yisod, and this is a theme you see in Chazal over and over. This idea that doing things for the right reasons. See, here you see the Gemara telling us, if you learn Torah the Shema, it becomes an elixir of life. If you learn Torah Shalom the Shema, it becomes an elixir of death. And I will say, think about this just a moment. It can't, it can't be, right? It re- really? If I learn Torah Shalom the Shema, it's an elixir of death? So what does that mean? It's better not to learn Torah at all than to learn Torah Shalom Lishma. Is that, is that really possible? So we'll say, so, of, so the truth is, remember, it also depends who we're talking about over here. If you're talking about the person who is going to be the teacher versus the person who's going to be the student, the thing that the Gemara is going to develop is it's very dangerous to have a Rebbe who does things for covet. And it's very, diff- it's very dangerous to have a teacher who engages in Torah for the wrong reasons. And the reason for that is, is because not only does he lead himself astray, but he potentially leads his students astray as well. That's where there is a true danger. Because if a person is in a leadership capacity and a person exerts influence and they're motivated by, and that person is motivated by the wrong intentions, there could be a trickle-down effect to that person's constituency as well. That's different than the yachid, right? I'm an individual. So as an individual, sometimes I learn Torah, Shalom Lishma. And the answer is, okay, not great, not great, but a great start. Not a great finish, but a great start because sometimes in life, we get started with the right things for the wrong reasons. But as long as I'm getting started in the right direction, I'm, I'm in a good place, okay? I know I have to refine it. I know I have to better, I have to elevate it. But Lamaisa, better to do a good thing for the wrong reasons than not to do a good thing at all. That's on an individual level. On a leadership level, a person has to be so careful. Because if my intentions in a leadership capacity are skewed, then chas v'shalom, those crooked hashkafas, right? And those wrong mindsets could chas v'shalom be passed down to those who are learning from me as well. So an, an incredible, an incredible dialectic here. Rabbi, I'm really Rabbi Yimran Rabbi Zeira. Leisimar, Leisimar, listen. Rabbi Zeira, teach me something. Teach me something. So, I'm tired. 
I'm tired. Right? I say it's a chazal that literally means I'm weakened. I'm weakened. I can't. So the Gemara says. So he says, fine. Leima mar milsa da agarata. Well, this is such a great exchange. Right? Shabbi Yemi says, Shabbi Zera. Rabbi, teach me a halacha. Rabbi Zera says, I'm really, I'm weak. Faiz says, fine. Tell me some good agarata. Tell me some good agarata. So he says, fine. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. My dixir abosid. It's just so beautiful. My dixir kia adam eats hasada. Yeah, Adam I will say, by the way, I just, I just want to point out, just before we go on, the concluding piece, on an individual level, always better to do something shalolishma than to do it nev- not at all. I just, I just, that, that is halacha lemaisa, right? Halacha life lemaisa. Because too many times in life we become purists in our intentions, right? I'm only going to do this if I can do it perfectly. I'm only going to do this if I can do this, right? Purists are the enemy of accomplishment, right? right? Pure, purists do absolutely nothing but think about what they're going to do and never end up doing anything. If you're a purist, you can accomplish nothing in life. So I just want to point out, on an individual level, if you're doing something and it's good and it's shalovishma, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Just work on yourself to be able to do it a little bit better. Again, when Chazal are cautioning us against shalovishma, what they're worried about is the leader, right? Is the Rebbe who's doing that. That's when there may be a danger. And even the Rebbe sometimes has to continue doing it because at least he's doing, trying to do something good. Again, Chazal never person should never take from here that Chazal are telling me if I can't do it perfectly, I shouldn't do it at all, right? Our famous, our, our favorite, right, quote from Voltaire, right? The enemy is the perfect of the good, right? So that, that, that we never, we never apply a purist mentality to anything in Ruchnius. Okay, weiter. So, Kia Adam is Asada. I'm sorry? Right, correct. It's also Shalom Lishma, Balishma, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so we go weiter. So, I'm going to ask Adam is Asada. What does it mean when the Pasik says, because a man, is a tree of the field. What does that mean? Basai person is a tree of the field. Doesn't make any sense. I will say just by the way, the context over here, the hands of Parshaski when you go out to war, the Torah says you're not allowed to cut down fruit trees. Right? In other words, if you have to cut it down for strategic purposes, you can. But just like wanton, unnecessary destruction, you're not allowed to engage in. So the Pasik, the Pash the Pashta is, is why why can't you destroy trees? Kia Adamitsasoda, because ultimately is the tree a combatant? That that's the Pasik. And it's an interrogative, it's a question. It's a rhetorical question. Is the tree a combatant that you have to cut down the tree? But we dash this. What does it mean that is a person a tree? So the Gimara says, because the Pasik says, you shouldn't cut down the tree because you'll eat from the fruit. Oksiv also Sashchis Vikarasa. But yet elsewhere the Pasik says that if in the course of war you need to cut down trees, you can do so. So Hakitsad. So we'll say, how do you reconcile these ideas? So we'll say, listen to this. So the Gemara, of course, is understanding that the tree is a metaphor for man. Kia Adam eats hasada. Man is like a tree. Man is like a tree. But say it happens to be the metaphor is a beautiful one. Because what does a tree have? A tree has two things. A tree has roots. And a tree has upward growth. Actually, three things. Roots, upward growth, and fruit. Right? The roots, of course, representing where we came from. The upward growth representing what we're going to accomplish as individuals. And the fruit, emir Hashem, the peros, the actual fruit of our accomplishments. What we've produced, what we've created in this world. So the Gemara says something amazing. It will say, if a person is an appropriate tamut chacham, eat of his fruit. Don't destroy him. And if he's not a proper Talmud Chacham, ultimately again destroy him. The Torah is not telling us to destroy anyone. I think Mara says, right, I want to go on the record. Don't destroy anyone. Even if they're not a Talmud Chacham, Hagun. What the Gemara is saying once again is, this is incredible. You have to be careful who you learn from. It's incredible. We don't really think about this. But the same way that the Rebbe has to be discerning in his Tamidim, so Tamidim have to be discerning who's their Rebbe, right? Who's your Rebbe, right? Who, who, who are you going to associate yourself with? Who are you going to learn from? And I both say this is not a Pasha thing. You know, a lot of people, I put myself with this, a lot of people have a soapbox. It doesn't necessarily mean that you should listen, right? A lot of people have, a lot of people have an opportunity to influence, but, but the Tamidim have to be discerning, have to be discerning. So that's what it means. If the Tamut Chacham is Roy, then ultimately, again, listen, if he's not Roy, then probably better to go elsewhere. 
Barzel Barzel Yachod. So we'll say, what does it mean when it says iron on iron together? Lomar, Ma Barzel Ze Echod Mechade Deschavero. We'll say, how do you sharpen iron? How do you sharpen iron? You rub it against each other. So Afshne Tamidichachomim Mechadin Ze Ze Bahalacho. So to two Tamidichachomim sharpen each other in Halacho. So we'll say, so again, I want to point out, it's not just Tamidichachomim, this is also the power of learning Bechavrusa, right? That when you go ahead and you learn, right? If we all, we all know this, you learn by yourself, you make a mistake, all you do is what? Reinforce that mistake, right? Keep going, make a mistake, and you keep on reinforcing it. Learn Bechavrusa, there's the ability to sharpen each other through learning. Why are Torah compared, why are the words of Torah compared to fire? Shnemar, hello, kol dvarika ish no mashem, lomar alacha, ma'ish eno dolik yechidi, this is very beautiful. Everyone knows that if you want to start a fire, if you want to start a fire, ultimately, again, you need more than one piece of wood to start a real fire. So ultimately, again, so too, to start a fire of Torah, you need two people. You can't create a real fire on your own. You have to have a chavrusa. Incredible. So the Gemara goes weiter. And we'll say, the Lashon over here is, by the way, it's not that you can't learn. You can learn on your own. If you look at Lashon of the Gemara, it's ein divrei Torah, sorry, af divrei Torah ein miskaimim biyachid. Right? So we'll say this, it's not about learning. Miskaimim. Miskaimim means what? Established, upheld. And we'll say, this is part of the power, by the way, of also being in a shir, right? To being in a shir of, of being of being in a group. That when you are part of a group, you're part of a collective. So again, there's an opportunity to learn from others. There's an opportunity to review with others. There's an opportunity to talk it out with others. Of course, is it good if I can learn by myself? Sometimes we don't have a choice, right? So of course, Torah is Torah is Torah. And if you have to learn by yourself, learn by yourself. But if you have the opportunity to learn with a chavrus, you have an opportunity to learn with a chabura, you have an opportunity to be part of a shir. Then ultimately, again, there's a greater kiyum, there's a greater establishment, there's a greater growth in Torah when you're doing it as part of a collective. So the Gemara goes right there. Right, we'll say, what does it mean ultimately again? I'm sorry. means a sword will come upon the enemies of Tamidi Chachamim. Shaoskin bad bad. They will say over here the enemies of Tamidi Chachamim are those who go ahead are Jews. Right? Any time you see this expression, it's always a metaphor, right? Who are the enemies of Tamidi Chachamim? Those who learn Torah by themselves, who learn Torah alone. So it's interesting. Again, the are using very strong lotion to highlight this idea that the power of Torah is accomplished in numbers. It's not accomplished by yourself. Again, if a person has to learn by themselves, that's what they do. But true growth and true excellence in Torah comes with a chavrusa, or ultimately, again, comes from being part of a collective. So the Gemara goes right there. None of that person is when you learn by yourself, you actually become foolish. Furthermore, learning by yourself could lead to sin. Again, the Gemara sometimes employs a bit, it's not hyperbole, but again, it's all based on the same idea. When I learn by myself and I make mistakes, I have the ability to go ahead and reinforce those things. Well, so you have to understand also, we live in such a different time, because think about this for just a moment. A person learns by themselves. Okay. So Baruch Hashem, a person has art scroll, right? The person has safaria, right? The person has all of these different tools. So you can actually like know what you're talking about, even if you're learning by yourself, which is like an incredible time in which we live. From the Chazal's perspective, a person is learning by themselves. You translate a line Gimar in a certain way. How do you know you're right? <laughs> how, do, how do you know you're correct? How do you know you're correct? You translate a halach and shulchan a certain way. How, how, do, how do you know you're correct? See, if you have a chavrusa, or if you're learning in a shear, so ultimately, again, if you make a mistake, your chavrusa will jump on you. Someone in the shear will call you out on it. But if you're learning by yourself, well, you just simply reinforce. That's why Chazal say, you make mistakes. You become foolish. Sometimes you have to have such a profound appreciation for the times in which we are living in. Amr Yitzchak. We will say, let's go back to Lama nimshalu divrei Torah ke'etz. Why is Torah, why are the words of Torah compared to a tree? It is a tree of life to those who cling to it. 
Ma'itz katan, how beautiful this is. Ma'itz katan madlik es hagadol. Right, just like a small tree, a small piece of wood has the ability to ignite a large piece of wood. Af tamidi chachamim kitanim mechadadin es hagadolim. So too, smaller tamidi chachamim have the ability to sharpen larger tamidi chachamim. We'll say, such a beautiful idea. Just, so Torah is compared to a tree because again, just like by a tree, ma eats cotton. A small piece of wood could ignite a larger piece of wood. So to smaller tamidi chachamim, called lesser tamidi chachamim, could go ahead and sharpen greater tamidi chachamim. We'll say a beautiful gemara. Bahainu dam Rabbi Chanina. This was what Rabbi Chanina always used to say. Harbe lamarati mei I learned a lot from my teachers. More from my teachers, I learned from my friends. I say, isn't that incredible? More from my teachers, I learned from my friends. But the most I learned, the most I learned was from my Tamidim. The most I learned was from my Tamidim. And I will say, this is a fascinating Gemara because, of course, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful idea. But Lamaisa, what does it mean? Right, what, I, don't, I, I understand the idea. I learned a lot from my teachers. And I even understand the idea. I learned even more from my peers. Because we'll say, remember, this goes back to what the Gemara just said before. The goal in life is you have your chavrusa, you have your chabura, you have your shir, you have a group that you're a part of. And when you go in and you're part of a group, you learn so much from others. But what does it mean? More than anything, more than my teachers, more than my peers, I learned from my students. So I'll say, is that actually true? Right? Is there a Rebbe like that? You could actually say, I learned more from my students than I learned from my Rebbe. So I'll say, I'll share with you an incredible idea by the Degel Machan Ephraim. L- listen, listen to what he says. What's the Pshat? He says, Torah is compared to a well. So how does a well work? So I'll say, a well, the more you draw out of it, what happens? the more water comes from the subterranean spring. Right? So the more you pull out of the well, the more you draw from the well, the more, the well, the more, the more, the more water comes into the well. So Degel Machanei Ephraim says, Kach harav hamora, yoser, no Hashem belibo yoser. What does it mean Rabbi Yochanan says that I learned the most from my Tamid? Rabbi Yochanan was saying is I've come to learn in life, the more I give, the more I get. It's not the pshat that I learned more information from my students, but because I had students and I had the opportunity to constantly give, I got so much because a person is like a well. And inside of me, I have these waters. I have these waters. And the more I share of my waters with others, the more waters are replaced by my spiritual subterranean spring. So that's the Degel idea. I learned a lot from my teachers. I learned even more from my peers, from my contemporaries. But the truth is, the most I learned was from my students. Not because my students taught me anything. Well, I'm sure they taught me things. But because at the end of the day, because the more I was able to give to them, the more water of me, of my personal story that I shared with them, the more waters I was able to receive. We'll say, what an incredible metaphor, not just for the Rebbe teaching the Talmidim, but in life. We often think that what we give to others means less for us. But it's Pashat not true. The more you give, the more you get. This is true when it comes to tzedakah. It's true when it comes to chesed. It's true when it comes to time. It's true when it comes to koach. We often think, when we give, we make a cheshben, right? Okay, I'm going to give. But I recognize that it's important to give, it's good to give. But Lamaisa, there's less for me. There's less money for me. There's less time for me. There's less koach for me. And Rabbi Yochanan says there could be nothing further from the truth. Whatever you give from your well, whatever waters you give, your monetary well, your skill well, your time well, whatever you give, that just makes more room for more waters to come. The more you give in life, the more you get. Such an incredible yisod. Let's go weiter. Says Degel Machanaf Rai. Says the Gemara. Rabbi Chanira Bar Papa. Rami Ksiv. Likras Tzame Hesayumai. So it's a very interesting Gemara over here. One Pasik says that bring water to the one who is thirsty. Likras Tzame Hesayumai. Ksiv. Hai Kaltzame Luchulamai. Then it says to the thirsty person, go to the water. 
So we'll say, which one is it? Do you bring water to the thirsty person or do you tell the thirsty person to go to the water? So it depends. So we'll say, look at Rashi for just a moment. So we'll listen to this. So this is talking to the Rabbi. If the student who wants to learn from you is worthy, bring the water to him. If the student who wants to learn from you is not so worthy, let the student come to you. So I will say, this is incredible. According to Rashi, this Gemara is not talking to the Talmud. This Gemara is talking to the Rebbe. The Rebbe is the one who has the waters, right? He has the waters. So the Shaila is in life. Do you take the water to the thirsty person or should the thirsty person come to you? Should the Rebbe go to the Talmud or should the Talmud go to the Rebbe? And the Gemara says, it depends. If it's a really worthy, truly thirsty, right? Truly thirsty Talmud, bring the water to him. But if again, not so sure if it's so worthy, let him come and seek out the water. In other words, if he's not necess- if Tom is not on the level that his worthiness has been proven, let him prove his worthiness by seeking out the water. But if the Rebbe sees that the Talmud is genuine and true, bring the water to him. Make Torah accessible. Make Torah easy. Bring the Torah to him. If you see that he really wants it, Bring the Torah to the thirsty person. Such, such an incredible yisod. I'll say, so I'll, say, I'll, just, I'll just tell you, just as an aside, and then we really have to go right there. Let's start, say, you know, we just started in the shul now. You know, um, we have an interpreter by all of the shiurim. Interpreter by all of the shiurim. Sign language interpreter. And it's been incredible to see what has happened. Right? The response from the deaf community has been that they never had access to Torah like this before. Right? Never... A woman came over to me after my shear, after, after I started a women's tefillah shear on Wednesday mornings. She came over to me and she said, she said, I'm X number of years old. She said, I've never had a rabbi in my life. I said, will you be my rabbi? <laughs> said, so she said, like, you don't realize that sometimes we have an obligation to bring Torah to people. And sometimes it's just easy enough. Again, I wish I could say I t- could take credit for her idea. This was Mrs. Esther Resnick. This was her idea. She does it every single shear. It's an incredible thing. There are people who are so thirsty. There are people who are so thirsty. And, it's, and it, because they're so thirsty, it is our job to go ahead and bring Torah to them. So maybe it's someone in your life who you know is not learning, but if you were to offer them a 15-minute chabrus a week, maybe they would learn. Anyway, bring Torah to people. Sometimes we say, nah, that's not me. That's not me. You know what? I'll wait for the person to ask me. If you see someone, we all have someone in our lives who is thirsty, bring the Torah to them. Because there are people, throngs and throngs of beautiful neshamas who are so thirsty. Some of them don't even know that they're actually thirsty yet. And it's our job, those of us who have tasted of the sweet waters of Torah, of the, of the restorative waters of Torah, to bring the, those waters to those who truly want it. Incredible Gemara. Let's go right there. Says the Gemara. The Pasik says, let your wellsprings extend outward. Then it says, it should be for you alone. So which one is it? Right? Is Torah ultimately against something to be shared or something to be kept privately? It's interesting. So the Torah says as follows. The Torah says, if at the end of the day, the Talmud Chacham is Hagun, an appropriate Talmud Chacham, his waters will spread. If he's not such an appropriate Talmud Chacham, do me a favor, keep it to yourself. Right? Keep it to yourself. The Gemara goes weiter. Rabbi Chanina bar Idi. So, Amar Rabbi Chanina. Lami nimshlu divay Torah lemaim. We'll say this is how beautiful this is. Why is Torah compared to water? So, dechsev hai kolt samay lechul lemaim. Lomar lecha. First of the widest lines. We'll say get ready for this. Ma mayim manichin makom gavo v'hochel makom namoch. After ve Torah im miskaim in ele b'misha daito shefela. We'll say what's the unique quality of water? Water always travels down to the lowest point. So to Torah could only really be found with those who are humble. I want to say humility is a prerequisite for spiritual greatness. That's why water is compared to Torah. So beautiful. This is incredible. Why is Torah compared to three liquids? Right? Torah is compared to wine, to water, wine, and milk. So we'll say, why is Torah compared to these three liquids? Lomar lecha to teach me, ma mashkin halalo emis kainen elo lepachos shabekelim 
Get ready for this. What's coming in the name there between wine, oil, and water? Oh, sorry. Wine, wine, milk, and water, right? Is that in order to store them, you store them in earthenware vessels. Earthenware vessels are considered to be, right, the most base, humble vessels. Just like wine, milk, and water can only be stored in earthenware vessels, so to Torah can only be stored in a vessel of humility. If a person is not humble, and a person thinks, they, I know everything, there's nothing more to teach me, I know better, then ultimately, again, they will never, you could learn information, but you'll never become a Talmud Chacham, and Torah will never really have the desired impact on you. Humility is a prerequisite for growth in Torah. Both listen to this, Maisa. Both say, get ready for this story. The daughter of the Caesar, I had the following conversation with Yeshua ben Chananya. She said to him, How could such beautiful wisdom be stored in such an ugly utensil? Right? Good morning. Good morning, right? So apparently, Rabbi Yeshua ben Chananya was not a very handsome man, or at least the wife of the Caesar did not think that he was, sorry, the daughter of the Caesar did not think that he was a very handsome man. So she said, I don't understand how someone so wise, someone so wise, because we also remember again, this is coming from the, from the Greeks, right? From the Romans, remember again, so really physical aesthetic was everything, was everything. So she could not understand how some, someone so wise could be so ugly. So Amrle, so, so Amrle, so she, he said, her, said, tell me, where does your, your, your father keeps his wine, right? His best wines in earthenware utensils, right? Yeah, she said, of course. So, so she, so she said, well, what else should we keep it in? So Rabbi says, look, you're the Caesar. Your family is a Caesar. Really, why would you be keeping your wine in earthenware vessels? Should you not be keeping it in vessels of gold, vessels of silver, befitting your stature in life? So she went to her father. She said, Father, I have a great idea. We should really store our wine in utensils of gold and silver. Of gold and silver. So her father listened. And ultimately, again, the wine spoiled. All the wine spoiled. So the Caesar goes, right, they told the Caesar, Caesar, all the wine spoiled. Caesar went to his daughter, Nu, who told you this idea? So So the Caesar's daughter said, it was Rabbi Shulman Khanan who gave me this idea. They called Rabbi Shulman Khanan, why did you give my daughter this idea? To put the wine in the golden vessels. The Rabbi Shubhachanai responded to the Caesar, I just said to her the same thing that she said to me. She said to me, how could, how could so much beautiful wisdom be stored in such an ugly utensil? So I told her, go, go ahead, go see for yourself. Go try to store your precious wine, your best wines, in a golden utensil and see what happens. So I say, isn't this an incredible idea? So Rabbi Shubhachanai is saying that sometimes in order to preserve something beautiful, you can only preserve it in the most humble of utensils, right? So the best wine can't be stored. I was said, by the way, in all seriousness, isn't it an interesting thing? You could take the best wine, take the best wine, and put it into the most expensive silver becher, right? And all of us know, not going to taste the same, right? Though you do something to the wine, and yet you could take an ordinary glass, ordinary drinking glass, and isn't it incredible? Your, your, your good bottle of wine. I learned this from my wine Rebbe. Hey, so, hey, so, 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 everybody, you have to have a Rebbe. You have to have a Rebbe. So, 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 right? Isn't it incredible? You could go out and you could take the wine and put it into your ordinary glass, your drinking glass, and it tastes better than if you put it in the most expensive silver becher. That's Rebbe Shobin That's Rebbe Shobin Hananya. That's Rabbi Shobin Hananya. At the end of the day, Torah is only miskayim. It only endures if it is housed in a vessel of humility. They will say, who we are is the prerequisite for what we accomplish. If you want, if you want growth in spirituality, you have to be an earthenware vessel. Humility is the pre. Which I will say, by the way, I just want to tell you something. It's so pashat. It's so pashat. Why? Because humility is the midah that says, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. 
I don't know everything. So if a person doesn't have the need of humility, then spirituality becomes an exercise in futility because you won't learn anything, you won't accept anything, and you already think you know better than anything and everyone else. So without humility, without taking the approach of I am a personalistic earthenware vessel, then Torah doesn't have an impact. There's nowhere for me to grow. First step in spiritual development, become an earthenware vessel of humility. I, the Gemara, but there are handsome people, are Tamidi Chachamim. In other words, not every Tamid Chacham is, uh, is difficult to look at. In other words, right, so, so there are people who seem to have both. I will say this is incredible. The Gemara says, Ihavisani Tfei Havu Gemiri. Right? If Ihavusanu, I should say, Ihavusanu Tfei Havu Gemiri. Ultimately, again, if they weren't handsome, they'd be even greater Tamidi Chachamim. Right, so we'll say, so what does this mean? If you think, go back to just Amadav, for Zimam Tosus, Tosus, last Tosus, Havu Sanu, Havu Sanu, Havu Chachimit, Havu Sanu, Havu Chachimit, Fei, Perish, Im Hayu Sonim Hayofi, Havu Tamidi Chacham Biyoser. And I've also, it's actually an interesting idea. What the Gemara is saying is as follows. A person who is a good-looking person, by definition, has a certain element of gaiva associated with them. And that is, the Gemara seems to feel that's an inescapable reality, right? If a person knows that they're handsome, a person knows that they're beautiful, there's a certain element of gaiva that comes with that. It's almost like an inescapable reality. So the Gemara says, are there tamidi chamu who are handsome? Absolutely, absolutely. But if they were able to go ahead and reject the vanity, the inherent vanity, that, that beauty, that handsomeness comes with, they would even be greater tamidi chamu. And I suppose like, the reality is, all of us are. All of us have inherent challenges to our spiritual growth. So sometimes it's our midos, and sometimes it's our appearance, right? So that's just the reality. So Shulman Chanan is saying, "Can you be a Talmud Chacham who's handsome or is beautiful?" Absolutely. But just understand, if you're handsome, there's an additional element of gaiva that a person has to fight back against. Incredible. So the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, "Davar Acher." So I'll say, "This is beautiful." Why is Torah compared to wine? To wine, milk, and water. This is incredible. So I'll say, here's what's interesting. Right? Wine, water, and milk become disqualified. When we say become disqualified, they, become, they can become compromised with Hesachadas. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Hesachadas means a lapse of awareness. If you don't watch these liquids carefully, you what could happen? They could easily spill or some impurities could come in and totally ruin them. See, so I say, this is different, let's say, than oil and honey. Watch this. See, oil and honey, if an impurity falls into it, what happens? What happens? It's fine because it doesn't sink, right? It could stay at the top and ultimately you could just scoop it out. Wine, water, oil, easily spill, easily spill. And if impurity gets mixed in, it's generally difficult to go ahead and siphon out or get out the impurity. Usually you just lose the entire liquid. So just like these liquids are easily lost with Hesach Hadas, with the lapse of awareness, so too again, Now we'll say this is absolutely incredible. What is the greatest existential danger to the spirituality of the Jew? See, if you ask most people, they'll, they'll answer sin. Sin is not the greatest existential danger. For one simple reason, we all sin. We all sin. It's just a question of how often, right? Frequency and intensity, right? But we all sin and we all do it well and we all do it often. That is the reality of life. The, the greatest existential danger to Ruchnius, I will say, is Hesachadas, is when we, when we have a lapse of awareness, when we fall asleep at the wheel of life when I lose my direction, when I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing, and I kind of put on the cruise control, I just keep going. We will say, this is the Ramchal, right? The Ramchal in the opening chapter of Mesila Sisharm. The first chapter of Mesila Sisharm. The first thing he discusses is Zahiros. Zahiros. Zahiros means awareness. The first, the most important midah in successful spiritual living is to live with constant awareness. Who am I? What am I? Where am I going? What am I doing? Is this thing I'm about to do? Does it advance my life agenda? Derail my life agenda? Zihiros. And the moment I don't have Zihiros, I have Hesachadas. There's a lapse of awareness. And says the Gemara, the moment there's a lapse of awareness, 
That's like the impurities that fall into your milk. Done, 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 done. That's how you get. It's not sin that derails us. It's has a hadas. It's lapse of awareness, lapse of attentiveness in life. That's what derails us. Incredible. We're starting 4.30 for now on. Right? Back, back to rain. Right? Ultimately, again, the day of rain is as great as the day that the heavens were created. Right? Heavens and the earth were created. Right? The day of rain is great. Shafilu Yeshua para uravabo. We'll say even salvation is intensified during a day of rain. Shneemar tiftach eretz v'yifru yesha. Am Rabbi Tanchum bar Chani Loi. Ena gisham yardim ala imkei nimchalu abanosim shleisel. So we'll say this goes back to the theme we've seen a number of times already that rain is a spiritual barometer. Right, the spirit bless you. A spiritual barometer that it only rains. It only rains if we are deserving of it. Conversely, but the way we've started is it doesn't rain if we're not worthy. For an ordinary, it doesn't rain. So the Gemara says something amazing. So the Gemara says it only rains if the sins of the Jewish people have been forgiven. Shnei Amar. The Gemara quotes the pasuk from Tilim. Ratzisa Hashem Artzecha Shafta Shevis Yaakov. Incredible. So the Gemara says. Uh, I'm sorry, I just skipped. So Ziiri from Diva said to Rabina, you learn out from there. We learn out from here. Viata, quoting over here the Gemara, the, the pasuk from the Lochim. Viata tishma shamayim v'salachta lachatos. So we'll say so again, the Pesukim, highlighting this idea that when it rains, that is a sign that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has forgiven our Averus. Rain is only withheld if the sinners are deserving of destruction. So we'll say once again, this is just the negative, the negative articulation of the previous concept. Before we said, rain only falls if the sins of the Jewish people have been forgiven. Here, ultimately, rain is withheld. Rain is withheld, literally, again, if the enemies of the Jewish people deserve destruction. Enemies of the Jewish people, of course, is a reference to what? Am Yisrael, Jews who sin, Shinemar. Gebarovir quotes, quotes the Pasuk, Tzia, so ultimately, again, the way the Gemara is dashing the Pasuk over here is, it's dry, right? The heat and the dryness will steal the waters of the, so- of the snow, because their sins come from the depth. So the idea being that sin steals the water, steals the snow. You learn it from there. Withhold the heavens, withhold the rain from the heavens, and ultimately you will be lost quickly. This is fascinating. Rain is only withheld because Klal Yisrael does not properly perform the mitzvahs of Trumas and Maestro, separating tithes. Shinemar, Tsia Gam Chom, Yigzilu Meme Shalek, my mash, my little enough on that pause. Tandre Yishmal, Bishvil Dvarim, Shetzivisi Eschem, Bimosa Chama, Volo Asisim, Yigzilu Mikem, Meme Shalek, Bimosa Gisham, because of the things that I commanded you to do during the summertime, and you did not do them. They will say, What are the things commanded during the summertime? That's tithing. Because when does tithing, when does Shumas and Maestros take place? We'll say, Bipashtos, when you're harvesting, when does the harvest take place? Spring, summer. Right? So because you did not do the things that I asked you to do during the spring, summer, i.e. separate out your tithes, therefore I will steal back your rains, steal back your snow from you. Wow. Rain is withheld, I will say, why? Ultimately, again, because of those who speak Lashon Hara. Shinemar quotes over the pasuk: Rach tzafon tehula geshem upanim nizamim lashon sasar. So I will say, say, literally, it means the northerly wind will prevent rain. Upanim nizamim, angry, literally, an angry face lashon sasar. So I will say the gemara dashes lashon sasar 
means literally again because of words spoken in private, right? What are the words spoken in private? Or I should say destructive words, destructive words, a reference to Lashon Hara, incredible. Arosa, I just want to point out, I'm not doing this justice. You know, each, each of these drushas, right, deserve a sheer unto themselves. But what you begin to see, I just want to point out, there is a overarching lesson that is also to be understood over here, which is the lesson of cause and effect. What we do has an impact. And everything we do has an impact. And has an impact indirectly, but also has an impact directly. That's what Chazal trying to teach us. What, what's going to happen with the rain? That, that's directly related to how you behave. Right? How I behave, how I talk, how I learn, how I conduct myself is manifest in the way that the natural world reacts towards me. This is, the, this is the takeaway message. We often do things because, or don't do things because we think our actions don't matter. Everything matters. Incredible, wow. Rain is only withheld. Azepanim is one of these interesting words. Most of us know it usually because we've been called it by someone, right? E- either a parent or a rabbi, Azaspanim, right? 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 So, so it's, it's happened. So, but, and it's one of those words that kind of when you hear it, you know exactly what it means, right? The way we translate it is brazen, brazen. I both say what it really refers to over here is arrogance, right? Brazenness is really arrogance. So the Gemara says rain is withheld because of widespread arrogance, brazenness. Shenemar quotes over here the Pasik from from Yermia Vayimanu Revivim Umalkosh Lohaya Umitzach Ishazona Hayalach Meante Kalim. So literally again, Khashbaq says, I held back the reins. Why? Because Mesach Ishazona, you have the forehead of a harlot. Okay, right? What does it mean? The far- so I say, so the assumption is that the zona, the harlot, is brazen, right? There's a brazenness in the way that she behaves, in the fact that she's willing to engage in this behavior, and everyone knows that she engages in this behavior. So the Navi compares Kali to the harlot. You have the brazenness of a harlot, and because of that brazenness, I've withheld the ring. So the Gemara goes right there. So the Amr of Salah, Amr of Hamnuna, call Adam Shishla Azaz Panim. We'll say, get ready for this. Any person who has this brazenness, Sof Nechshal Ba'avera. Ultimately, again, we'll get caught up in immorality. What's the pshat? It's a very simple cheshven. See, when a person is brazen, a person is arrogant. Arrogant people feel that they are entitled to everything. So if I feel that I'm entitled, if I live life with an entitlement, it's only a matter of time that I go ahead and engage in immorality. For one simple reason, I feel I'm entitled to whatever I want. So a person will engage in financial inappropriateness because I feel I'm entitled to whatever I want. Immorality, I feel that I'm entitled to whatever I want. Shneemar, hayilacha, v'lo neemar yilacha. Amar Rabba, barafuna, kol adam shiyesh lo azos panim. Bus, listen to this. Any person who has this brazenness, mutter the grosso rasha. You're allowed to call such a person a rasha. Shneemar, ha'is ha'ish rasha b'farav. Rav Nachem bar Yitzchak amar mutter le sanoso. You are permitted to hate a brazen person. Was like such a strong, such a strong lushan. You're permitted to despise the Balgaiva, the person who's brazen. Shinamar Vaaz Panavisuna, Atikri Shuna Ella Yisane, Amrav Katina, Inagishamna Tsana Ella Bishal Bitl Torah. So if Katina says, Rain is withheld, why? Bitl Torah. Bitl Torah. Because it will say negation of Torah learning. Shinamar quotes over here the Pasik, the Pasik from from Kohales. So the Gemara says, uh, so the Gemara says, what does it mean by Atzal Taim? The Gemara is making a drasha. Atzal Taim is Atzlos, right? Because of the laziness. Because of the laziness of Cloud Yisrael, they did not engage in Torah learning and as a result became the enemy of the Jew, of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Ve'ein mach, mach, ve'ein mach ela ani. A mach means a pauper. Shneemar, ve'ein mach hu me'erkicha. Ve'ein mikra, ela Kaddish Baruch Hu. Shneemar, me'karemayim ba'ali aliyosov. Rav Yosef ar mehacha, vi'ata, so Rav Yosef quotes a different passage. Vi'ata, lo ro'u or bohir hu bashchokim, ve'ruach avra batitareim. Good. Ve'ein or ela Torah, or esor shneemar, kiner mitzvah Torah, or, Barhu Bashakim, Tarabishma, Filo Bishashra, Kia Nasa, Bahorin 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 Tal, Umatar, 
Ruach Avra Batitarim. So Bishwal says that the punishment for Bittal Torah is that even in a time where the sky is sold with clouds, meaning ready to rain, ultimately again, the wind comes along and disperses the clouds as a result of Bittal Torah. Why is rain withheld? Rain is only withheld because of theft. Shinamar quotes over here the Pasik. The Pasik from Eov. Al kapayim kisar vayitzav alav b'mash b'mafgia. So the Gemara says ve'ain kapayim ela chamas. Kapayim over refers to theft. Shenemar umin achamas asher bekapayim. Ve'ain ar. What's ar in this context? Ela motor rain. Shenemar yofitz anon oro. Maitakante. So I will say, what should you do? What should you do ultimately again if you see that rain is withheld? Because of all of these different things. So the Gemara says, Yarbe betfila. A person ultimately again should engage in tfila. Then I both say, understand, obviously, if it's theft, the first step is return the stolen items, right? But what it's saying is, how do you change the decree? You change the decree through tfila. Shinemar, Pasik says over here, Vaitsav alav bimafgia. The in pigia. Ela tefila, right? Literally, again, pegias tefila shenemar viata al tispala baada amazer. Ultimately, again, the al tifka biharto. So we'll have to stop over here. I'm sorry, apologize for the for the speed of the last part. But again, I will say, incredible, overwhelming, magnificent daf tomorrow afternoon. It's going to be early. I think daf tomorrow is at three thirty. So you could actually, you could come and you could bench here, right? Just bench here, right? But I will say, but again, you don't want to miss an incredible, overwhelming, magnificent daft tomorrow. Jack, I will say.